Welcome to Teacher Zion Podcast. Hi, this is Doug Hatton, um, Teacher and Sign Podcast, and I am here today with my friend Le- Leslie. Sorry, I always butcher somebody's name. Leslie and uh, <laughs> your husband Craig, Leslie and Craig Parker. You guys are in Utah, right? If I remember correctly. We are. We're in. Okay. Just 15 minutes outside of Salt Lake, so. Okay, and we've been talking for a long time. It seems like. Yeah. Um, I look I like I think long, it's back in. <laughs> it's been a while. Well, it's I think it was November of 2022, so that's really not that long ago. But doesn't mm-hmm. it, it seems longer? I feel like it I've known you longer, for yeah. a long time, for some reason. I I was like I, I almost feel like you were there almost from the beginning of the podcast, but <laughs> not quite, not quite. But it, it does feel like it. We've oh. talked a lot. I've really enjoyed our communications. And I've tried to get you to come on numerous times. <laughs> I think <laughs> we're quite ready. Um, and I know you yeah. guys were dealing with trying to figure things out a lot too. So that's, and that's important. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that you were yeah. ready. So um, I think your is your husband still just off camera here? No, actually, he's taking the kids hiking. But... Okay, okay. <laughs> so they're, if he make, they're gonna be if gone. he makes an appearance later, he's he's welcome to make an appearance if he, <laughs> if he wants. Yeah. I, it's usually the men are hiding in the background, and it's always the ladies who are brave enough to get on camera. I don't know why <laughs> that always happens, but <laughs> but uh, let's just start out well, because in our, probably in our most... case, I think I was just gonna say in our case, I'm the one that has more time to study and read and. He's yeah. busy with work, so I think he feels like I'm yeah. have more to say maybe than he does, which isn't necessarily true. But <laughs> yeah, okay. But it, both of you guys seem to be in harmony with each other, kind of on the path that you're on, and um, so feeling that out. Yes. My my wife very much feels things out in a way that's intuitive, and uh, there's a lot of things I look into she may not, but you know we have time to talk about it, and that's what's important. You know, make sure we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, why don't we just start with, because probably most people, I, I'm assuming most people that are going to listen to this may not know you. So let's just start off with the the simple beginning here, the origin story, if you will. Um, you are, are you a convert or were you corner, like born and raised in the church, would you say? Definitely born and raised, you know, generations back, okay. pioneer ancestry, lived in Utah ah, okay. my whole life. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, yeah, both sides of my family, as well as my husband's family, you know, go back to pioneer. Okay. Yeah. Crossing the plains. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, going way back. Um, and my family goes pretty far back in the RLDS church. I know that. Um, not quite sure how early, but as far back as memory goes, anyway. <laughs> so yeah. On on both sides of the family. Um, and so uh, you, at some point, I guess, heard my podcast, right? Um, I don't know if you, it yeah. was where you started in your journey as far as, oh, questioning or having questions. I'm guessing that went way back at some point. You probably had yeah. uh, some things that you wondered about in terms of our traditions and in religion and our churches. Um, what do you, what was the... What was the triggering catalyst, I guess, the first thing that really got you wondering and asking the Lord, like, what's up with this? Is this really <laughs> true or, or what? Yeah, so I guess really the beginning of our story goes back about 17 years. That's how old our oldest child is. Okay. So when um, we were expecting, he and our first child ended up being born really prematurely. So he was born four months early. So he weighed just a pound when he was born. Wow. So our lives kind of took a detour and we ended up being in the hospital with him for four months, you know, the, until he was supposed to be born. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. And it was actually there that I think our journey really began because, I mean, we'd both grown up in the church. We're both, you know, everyone in our family, you know, we're members. We'd both served missions. We'd never had questions about the church. Um, and I think that was it. We'd never really had questions about a lot of things. And so I think yeah. being in the hospital 
that was a new experience for us and we were just exposed to some things that start started making us just question what was happening to our son in the hospital and we kind of had a an awakening where we realized we couldn't just rely on other people to tell us what to do that we needed to take things into our own hands and do some research and figure out what was best for him um so that's kind of where that i mean i'd never i'm not really growing up i had never been a person to question anything right you know i i was like the model yep. student in school the teacher tells you something and i say okay you know <laughs> so th that was kind of a new yeah. a new a new process for me like oh wow this is kind of important i can't just trust other people i need to make sure that i know what i'm doing and why i'm doing it and that kind of led us down a path of i mean it kind of led us down a bunch of rabbit holes when we I don't want to go into too many details about that, but it eventually led us to realizing that the LDS church was, I mean, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know quite how to say it. it, was supporting organizations and groups that we had come across in our research that we were really quite alarmed about. And so we, you know, we were looking at each other like, how could the church be giving money to this, you know, this group or how can the church be supporting that group when, because we had looked into those groups and we knew that they were not groups that we felt comfortable supporting. I mean, okay. we would, we would label them as, you know, secret combinations, basically, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that was just something from that time on was always, you know, on our shelf. <laughs> we're like, okay, yeah. that's really weird. That doesn't feel right that we should be supporting groups like that. And so that was one of those things. And then I think, I think for a lot of people, at least around here, COVID was a big catalyst because mm -hmm. again, those, those questions popped back up. And as we tried to figure out what, what was going on in the world <laughs> and mm -hmm. we would pray and we'd come to, you know, these conclusions in our heart that we felt like this is what we should do, or this was what was right. And then the church would come out and say something that was almost the exact opposite of what we had mm -hmm. received. And we're like, okay, how does that work? Because <laughs> we, yeah. we'd grown up believing the prophet can never lead you astray. And as long as you're listening to him, you're going to be, you're going to be okay. And we were both fervent believers in that. So that was yeah. really, really hard. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, Cause that, it's almost a sentiment that was in the RLDS church to some extent, um, or at least in particular to certain historical figures, let's say like Joseph Smith. But where uh, in the LDS church culture or scriptures, is there an actual scripture that says a, the prophet can never lead you astray? Or is that just always well, been a saying? <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, you grow up and you think it is in the scriptures because you hear it so much, right? <laughs> yeah. But then you get to the point, yeah. you're like, wait, where does that actually come from? And you realize it, it's nowhere in the scriptures, except it's in the official declaration that ended polygamy, right? Okay. So, so some people could argue that that scripture, <laughs> it's an official declaration. It starts out, I think, mm -hmm. to whom it may concern. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that <laughs> classifies as scripture, but, <laughs> but I think that's yeah. kind of... I think it showed up earlier with in some of the writings of Brigham and Heber C. Kimball, but that's kind of the first main place it shows up. Mm -hmm. And then okay. there's there's a later story, I can't remember, it involves Heber J. Grant, who was also a prophet, mm -hmm. and I'm probably going to get it wrong. I think, I can't remember if he's the one telling someone this or if he was the little boy in the story, but anyway, okay. the story goes that someone tells the boy you know, keep your eye on the prophet. And if he tells you to do anything wrong and you do it, you'll be blessed even if it's wrong because you'll be blessed yeah. for following the prophet. So, oh, it, you know, we have these stories and then in general a conference, if you do a Google search on it, it's especially, I don't know, to me, it feels like recently it's practically every talk. So <laughs> yeah, so sure. no, it's, a, it's, it's not every it's not Bible scriptural. story. Yeah, it's a yeah. every Bible story, right? The, the yeah. prophet can never lead you to always look to the prophet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there is one prophet I definitely look to. Yeah. <laughs> but he's one that's never failed us for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, uh, to whom it may concern. I love that. Um, that's, <laughs> that's how all the prophets began their uh, speeches to Israel, right? To whom it yeah, may concern. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I had the same uh, kind of experience, not in that exact uh, way as far as um, always trust a prophet, but in the RLDS church, we have a lot of our own traditions, uh, some of them different than, than yours for sure. Um, but they're kinds of things that you've heard in sermons over and over. You heard them in classes. You heard them spoken. And it's just sort of like you assume they're in the scriptures. And and so probably the thing that got me in the most trouble was that when I finally made a covenant with the Lord and I thought, oh, well, I better find out what's in the scriptures. So I just went cover to cover, you know, through the books. And lo and behold, <laughs> I found out not only that some of these things that have been taught over and over weren't there, but there were things contrary to yeah, those teachings exactly. that we've been taught. So that's a bit of a wake up call when you I think that's yeah. a coming of age. It must have been for you when you finally decided to dare to question and yeah. daring to question can be scary. So yeah, I'm and we guessing were, we were, were there for a long time. I mean, yeah, I, it everybody like I talks that. about COVID being so difficult for this or that reason. And I mean, I'm an introvert. So most of the locked out, like didn't, I was happy. I mean, I was in my element, right? So, but it actually was a super, super, super hard time for my husband and I for that reason because we were in that space. Yeah. I don't know how many nights we'd stayed up way too late, just saying, "Okay, what in the what in the world is going on?" Like, mm -hmm. okay, the prophet can't lead us astray, but we have serious problems with what he's saying, and yeah. what do we do with this? Yeah. And it wasn't until I came across a video, I think a friend shared it with me, um, that was put together by a man named Dustin Grady called Can a Prophet Lead You Stray? And he did this great job laying out through mostly Old Testament scriptures, Book of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, you know, prophecy after prophecy after prophecy about the Lord warning that the prophets and pastors of the people were leading the people. <laughs> Yeah. the wrong way right and absolutely and that was like oh that was such a blessing when we finally heard that because it kind of allowed us to go to go to that place we weren't willing to go yet because I kept saying to myself in my head I'm like okay if they're really as bad like if what they're saying is really as bad as we think it is then Heavenly Father had to have warned us about this somewhere I just don't know where it is and I didn't I wasn't sure where to look or even how to search for it so when we listened to that video, it was just like, like this relief almost like, okay, it is in there. There is a warning. Yeah. And that just felt like it was okay. So we could, we could kind of continue down that path that we weren't totally nuts. <laughs> had right. to, had to be a liberation. Um, yeah, for the truth, sure. The truth will set you free, right? So yes, uh, you heard, sure. you, you heard the truth It set you free. You feel liberation. You can now question. Um, one thing that I know is there's an awful lot of anti-Mormon material just waiting to grab somebody. And of course, a lot of it has got true things in there. Uh, but also um, a lot of stuff that isn't quite true. Uh, and some people just give up their faith altogether. Was that ever a struggle for you and your husband? Like, was there a moment where you're thinking, how far are we going with this? How far is this going to go? Where it got a little <laughs> scary like that for you? Well, for sure. I mean, there's that, that fear because once you open that door and you allow yourself to say, okay, I don't believe that the prophet can't lead us astray anymore. That led us, of course, to all sorts of searching and led us into looking deeply for the first time into our church history. And like you said, there is a lot that you can come across <laughs> that makes yeah. you want to just throw it all out. But yeah. the thing that I, I just found so interesting is that as we were exposed to some of those things, and it's not like we didn't go looking for that, but we came across it as we were looking at other things because it's the internet and that's how it works. Yeah. But um, it just didn't make any sense to me that most of the things that we were finding on these anti-Mormon sites were basically the exact same thing that the church puts on its website as what is true about church history. And I'm, I said, that doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. I'm like, you go look at the church website and it'll say Joseph had this many wives and he married this many teenagers yeah. and this and that and the other. 
you go to the anti-Mormon site, this is the exact same thing. <laughs> you can go, exactly. you go to the church website and it says Joseph was a Mason and this and that and the other, and you go to the anti-Mormon site, it says the same thing. I'm like, yeah. okay, how does that work? <laughs> that doesn't church make any own, sense to me. The church is its so, own worst enemy. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. So we're like, some, something's not right there, but it led us to looking in, like I said, into church history for the yeah. first time. And that, that was definitely eye opening. Yeah. But throughout it. And like I said, I've always, I'm, I've never been a person who questions necessarily. Although I have definitely learned to be one. I question everything now, but, <laughs> yeah. but even though like my husband and I would look at each other and be like, are we just nuts? Are we throwing, you know, cause from our, <laughs> our family's perspective, we were just walking yeah. ourselves out into outer darkness. Right. Yeah. So we had we would look at each other and say, "Are we are we are we totally off here? Are we totally off?" And we would once more like, "Is it all? Is it all wrong? Like, can can we hold on to the Book of Mormon? Can we hold on to Joseph Smith?" And you know, my feelings have changed about Joseph Smith for sure. But it was like this process. Like, <laughs> we yeah. couldn't go some places yet. It took time. But oh, yeah. even though sometimes I would think, oh, maybe we should just throw it all out because sometimes you would come across those things you'd think, could they, could they be right? Is, is this all yeah. totally wrong? I mean, I've never been a person that's had really clear spiritual experiences. I think I'm starting to learn more that the way the Lord works in my life is I kind of call it Oliver Cowdery principle because in the Doctrine and Covenants it talks I can't remember what section it is, section nine, maybe that's probably not right. Um, it talks about how the Lord says to Oliver, um, if I hadn't been working in your life, you wouldn't have come to the place where you are at this time. And that's kind of how I feel. That's kind of like my life story. Like I can't really feel the Lord. Like I'll pray and say, can you please just let me know that you're there, help me feel something. And usually I won't, and that can yeah. be discouraging, but there are also, like I look back in my life and I can see really clear markers where I know that he was lining things up and he was prompting me to do this or he gave me this thought or that feeling. Yeah. And so even though there were times where like, maybe it's just all wrong. <laughs> maybe some of our friends that have just left it all, maybe they're, maybe they're yeah. right. But I would say that, but I don't think I ever really meant it. Like I was tempted to not believe sometimes, but I couldn't. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. Like I, could, I yeah. couldn't not, even though I've never had like super, I haven't had any super clear, like amazing experiences. Like I just can't not believe. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's most people. Most people have not had some extraordinary uh, burning bush experience. And I think there's been a disservice done over the years where we think this is how God must communicate with people. And what it is, is God's always communicating with us. But we were never taught in the church, I don't think. I don't think in either church or in most churches. How to hear God, how to recognize his voice, how to distinguish it from your own voice and from other voices in there. And so we just think it must be you're walking along and there's a burning bush and God speaks to you and you hear an audible voice. And you're like, well, I don't have those experiences. Well, yeah, yeah. most people don't. Even Moses didn't. I mean, it was what, how many years, 40 some years or whatever it was before he came to that experience. But yeah, I, I think about Moses a lot. <laughs> I feel like, well, yeah, because I feel like we're still in that. I'm like, well, sometimes I'm like, shouldn't shouldn't we be further along than we are? And then I'm like, well, Moses had 40 years that he was what, a sheep herder. In he was probably kind of on his own in the wilderness, and then we kind of, we kind of feel like we're on our sure. own still. You've only got 37 extent, more years. But... Okay. <laughs> Just another I'm 37 like, well, years, you'll be good. <laughs> yeah, I was say, if Moses was alone in the wilderness. In his way, I guess it's okay for us yeah. to meet you. Well, uh, thankfully, you're not completely alone. But yeah, um, thank, thank goodness for <laughs> there's books and other podcasts. crazy people that are going through this experience too, and <laughs> which we is have this really nice. Thing. Really nice yeah. to know. Yeah. Yeah, I got a question for you. I guess I'm curious um, because I, uh, when I actually decided I needed to actually read the scriptures, and I never felt I needed to before that. I was 25, 26 years old before I did finally. Um, and that was because I had this tremendous experience where I had run from God, sort of like Jonah and the whale, you know, kind of story. And basically I was, the Lord let me suffer the, I would say the buffetings of Satan or whatever for about a year, um, completely 
took away any desire for to walk in my own path and I wanted I just wanted to know the Lord loved me and he'd forgive me and so I went through a really extraordinary experience that most people don't have to go through that most people are as stubborn as me so before <laughs> that before that um, because I was born and raised in the church I just assumed I kind of knew the scriptures I mean I would read bits and pieces here and there but you get them in sermons and all that but I never really really sat down and read, read them um, was that the case with you or had you always really like dug in and read your Book of Mormon? I'm, I'm just curious and, and whether you know that about other people that you've been involved with. How many people really know their Book of Mormon do you think of a church? Well, I think it, as a church, I think it's very, very few. I was always, you know, a faithful scripture reader. More, I mean, when I was younger, I mean, it was more like, this is what you should do every day. You should read your scriptures and you should say your prayers. Yeah. And I, I like to do what I was supposed to do, right? I've always had a yeah. desire to do what I was supposed to do. So yeah. I would do that. So like when I was young, I was a faithful scripture reader. I wouldn't say I studied my scriptures. When I got to college, that changed. And I definitely, like college is kind of a magical time because you don't have kids yet, <laughs> you know, you, you're you busy, but you still have a lot of time that's your own. And so the college was kind of the time when I I learned to really love the scriptures. Um, like I remember, even though I don't remember much of what I learned, I remember like being like, wow, Jeremiah is amazing. And I'm like, who, who, who reads the book of Jeremiah? But yeah, who, that's kind of where I was. But Most people don't say that about the book of <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But the thing was, like, with with the Book of Mormon, I, I would say that I felt like I was probably more familiar with the Book of Mormon than most people in yeah. the church, because I think a lot of people aren't familiar with it. Yeah. But having said that, I would also say that, you know, I was, I, I'd always read it with my LDS lenses on, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, that's one of the things that <laughs> was, like, so surprising to us as we you know, started questioning and our eyes were open to some more things. When we read the scriptures, we're like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. I've never really noticed this or yes, the book of Mormon doesn't teach this. this. It teaches before. that. And yeah, yeah. And we were amazed. And so, yeah, it was interesting because just recently my husband and I went through and like made a list of things that we used to believe. That, have, that we don't anymore, things oh, that we believe now that we didn't, and things okay. that we kind of still believe, but our ideas about them have changed. Yeah. But I think all of those things are because of the Book of Mormon. And really, yeah. like our whole our whole journey ties back into the Book of Mormon because, um, like I said, when we started looking into some of those organizations and groups that the church was partnering with, I mean, the reason we were so interested in that was because of the Book of Mormon and Ether, right? Yeah. Ether chapter 8. I mean, when you think about how much time in the Book of Mormon is actually dedicated to talking yeah. about secret combinations in detail yeah. and warning yeah. us in our day that if about they the danger of them. should ever come upon this land again. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was something that was definitely on our radar because of the Book of Mormon. And when we bring things up in church about secret combinations, people would look at you like you had three heads, right? They're like, well, you read the Book of Mormon, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, secret combinations. That's just like the mafia, and that's all it is, you know? And so I mean, that was always one of the things that we thought was interesting. So even clear back then, it was because of the Book of Mormon. And then as we learned about more and more things, again, it was always the Book of Mormon. We're like, well, look at what the Book of Mormon teaches about this. How could we have even believed that? Or yeah. the Book of Mormon doesn't say anything about this. So why do we believe that? And yeah. There's a book I read. Uh, some years ago called Infallible Proofs. I don't know why I remember the title. I'm usually not very good memory like that. <laughs> it's, it was a RLDS. It was printed from someone in the RLDS. And it was uh, testimonies, basically, witnesses of, I guess, what they decided was infallible proofs about the truth of the church or our beliefs or whatever it was. And there were testimonies or witness accounts or things, you know, spiritual encounters or whatever and I wish I could remember the name of the man he was he was a uh, someone with a reputation as, as being a spiritual man in the RLDS church but 
I remember reading this book and coming across this witness from him where the Lord very clearly, you know, and he wasn't part of the presidency or anything like that, but very clearly and prophetically warned him to warn the people of the church uh, to be aware of secret societies and being involved with them and involvement, the church being involved with them. And that in the last days, this would be our undoing. Um, so just kind of go along with yeah, kind of some of the things you were looking at. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's true. Yeah. And again, speaking of secret societies, I mean, that's one of the things that finally woke us up to, whoa, what are we doing in the temple? <laughs> like, that was... <laughs> Of the me and the Masonic. You grow up thinking it's like this, you know, the most holy place, and then you step back and like, whoa, this yeah. doesn't really fit with what Christ teaches, with what yeah. the Book of Mormon teaches. I know they made some changes to kind of uh, PG-13, some of the, <laughs> I don't know how to put it. They yeah. sort of removed some of the, the more... Uh, gruesome? <laughs> yeah, gruesome, that'd be a good word. Um, so, But it is disturbing, because it was there for forever until you know like 1970s and even recently they're making changes so yeah um, but just the whole notion that i mean in the in the temple we're taught that we're going to learn all the secret signs and handshakes and tokens so that we can get past all the the guards yeah, that are standing guard. into heaven yeah and and i mean it's so strange where we are now thinking how could we have ever thought that was okay but yeah. we did and we you know, you we were totally, born and totally raised with it. it. That's why it's 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 not weird if you're, you're <laughs> born and raised. You know, there's there's tribes in Central America or you know Africa where they're basically nude walking around, and you're like, well, that's shocking. But I guess for them, like, yeah. no big deal. We're we're always <laughs> naked. You know, it's yeah. So yeah, if that's true. what you're born and raised with, you don't realize that there's anything different or wrong about it. But it takes that. I guess that's why people call it an awakening. I've noticed mm -hmm. a lot of people on the LDS side do use those words. I, I awakened or yeah. you know, it's part of an awakening. Um, yeah, you you know, it's a blessing to read the Book of Mormon, even if you are reading it with the with the lenses of your your particular church or religion. Yeah. It's still a blessing and God can bless you through it. But man, when he finally gets it to the point where you're ready to ask some questions, um, I'm we have something called the inspired version and what it is is i probably shouldn't say too much because people get mad at me but it's the king james <laughs> version um and joseph smith thought he was going to uh do some fixes in it uh, he never did finish it but we've got this inspired version there's a lot of things in our inspired version i am not excited about there are a few treasures um but i do i am really appreciative of this one change that was made in the new testament and I do believe it is inspired. Now, I believe, should we have changed the Bible? I don't think they should change the Bible. I, what I wish would have been done is footnotes done where Joseph Smith received some understanding. And it's a footnote, almost like a study Bible. I wish it would be more that way. But mm -hmm. nevertheless, I'm glad that he had these inspirations because some of them are good. And one of them was about Peter, James, and John going to the Mount of Transfiguration. He only took those three. He didn't take the other nine, right? Mm -hmm. And there must be some reason. Well, written right into the inspired version, which I just love, is it says he took Peter, James, and John, who asked many questions. Mm -hmm. That who asked many questions is not in the Bible. But I love yeah, it because like the Holy that. Spirit like lit on that. <laughs> when I read that, the Holy Spirit's like, and this is why. That was true. Absolutely true. Um, I think it was just an insight that Joseph got that the Holy Spirit illuminated. Um, I don't think we're supposed to change the Bible per se, or we should just left it that way. But it's okay to share those experiences. I'm glad that he had that experience. And so at some point you're asking questions. And I feel like God loves people who ask questions. If you're, a, if you're asking questions from a standpoint of doubt, okay, not so great. But if you're asking questions from the standpoint of faith and wanting to get closer to the Lord, I really believe he rewards people that do that. And some people are just afraid to ask questions. Obviously, what you is? start it's, asking questions, you know. It's, it's scary because you start asking questions and you say, well, do I really want the answer? Because if, yeah. if the answer isn't what I've always been told, then what does that mean? Right? And your whole world 
yeah. is kind of threatened, really, because especially in Utah, I mean, in Utah, your ward, I mean, there's a ward every three streets, right? Like, your yeah. whole neighborhood is goes to church if you kind of drop off the planet if you're not in church. <laughs> People sure. don't know you exist anymore, right? Yeah. And your family, I mean, it, it's a scary, it's a scary place to be. Because... I really got to hand it to you, uh, I just and anyone on the LDS side, especially because what happened with us is the RLDS church sort of began to disintegrate, and um, it became easier to ask questions because I think the Lord had to do that with us. We because we <laughs> he had to do that. He had to sort of take this one true church from us where it faltered and was falling, and we couldn't trust. And we began to realize something was wrong. And LDS is going through a similar thing where now people are beginning to question. They don't know that they can trust. But it's a little bit different because it's still very much held together right now so far. And it's such yeah. a tight culture. It's a culture, right? Definitely a culture, yeah. I think it's much more a culture than RLDS ever was. To me, yeah. I say RLDS was always sort of like Protestants with a Book of Mormon. You know, we went to church on Wednesday night, Sunday, and some people were very serious about it. My family was, but you didn't live and die by the church. Like, you could just not go to church, and no one's going to write you off. You know, you're not going to suddenly be written out of the will. Um, <laughs> those kinds of things. But, yeah, yeah when, you, when you start going down that journey, then you know, like, man, this is like you're being put out of a society. You're no longer going to be a part yeah. of this, and it's, it's a lot. It's a big part of your life, isn't it? Yeah, it, it it is, and I I don't know how it is in the RLDS church. I'm actually curious if maybe you could <laughs> explain to me a little bit more about how your you know your Sunday meetings are are structured. But in the LDS church, I mean now it's two hours. It used to be three hours, right? So we'd have sacrament meeting where people would be asked to give talks. You know, so it was different people every week that were called to give a talk on some subject and then we'd have an hour of Sunday school so for the adults they'd be together and the youth and children were divided into classes and then they'd have Relief Society for just the women you know the priesthood meetings for the men and then the youth were young men's and young women's or primary for the little kids and then we'd have activities during the week and you know you everybody in the ward has a calling whether that's to be a, a teacher in primary or to be over the young women or the young men or whatever. And so the callings are often time, you know, they're time intensive. So whatever free time you have during the work is during the week is often dedicated to your church callings. And I, I was just, you know, three hours on Sunday and however many hours of preparation for whatever you're doing on Sunday. And it really is like it keep, it keeps you busy which helps you feel like you're doing all the right things, but it doesn't leave you a lot of time for reading and pondering and some of those things. But I'm just curious because I don't know. I've, I've gleaned from listening to you and some other things that it sounds like that. Like you said, the RLDS is more Protestant where you had, do you just have one person giving a, a sermon on Sundays? So traditionally in RLDS, we have Sunday morning, which is usually like a Sunday school class. So um, you'll have a Sunday school for kids and all that. Plus adults may have a Sunday school class where they have discussions and things and someone leads that. And then you have your, usually it's an 11 o'clock service, which is about an hour long. And it, it is, it's a traditional, like a sermon. You have someone who's preaching, one of the priesthood is preaching and, you know, they take up an offering and we sing hymns and it's, you probably wouldn't know you were in a, you know, quote-unquote Mormon church yeah. <laughs> unless they read from the Book of Mormon or the Doctrine and Covenants or mm -hmm. something uh, Wednesday nights were the more spiritual times those are the prayer and testimony services and that's that would be the time where congregants get to participate more mm -hmm. um, and be to pray for one another to share testimonies about what was going on throughout the week and, and things like that but yeah it's it's a little bit different um, it's it's interesting that in the LDS church, there, there's more participation, mm -hmm. I would say, from the congregants, you know, on a Sunday. Um, but it does seem like it's very structured, though. So it's controlled. Um, typically, I think you get asked, right? Yeah. Would you be willing yeah. to share your 
testimony of, and it's going to be directed in a certain yeah, way. Yeah, so we but, have, you know, Fast yeah. Sunday, the first Sunday of every month, that's testimony meeting, and that sounds more like what your Wednesday meetings mm -hmm. would be, where anybody can get up and share, yeah. you know, their experience or, you know, their testimony. So interesting. I was just curious, because I had no yeah. idea. <laughs> I was, anyway, sorry, kind of sent us off on a tangent there but <laughs> <laughs> no you're right no that's 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 a valid question <laughs> if i get to interview you you get to interview me occasionally right <laughs> <Seems fair. laughs> so yeah yeah i that's why i have referred to uh rlds as mormon light it's a diet diet mormon yeah. it's a it's a little bit a little bit less mormon but uh you know still a, a hint of it yeah so um and i forget what question i know i got i guess i was off on the tangent oh yeah i did i remember now um i was kind of curious because you know for me um what's really valuable for me is if you have a friend or a couple of people you know that you can confide in when you have these kinds of questions um you mentioned some people you knew had essentially just all together left the faith like um gave it all up as far as even the book of mormon mm -hmm. is that right um, i think do you did you have anyone that you could confide in um yeah i was really lucky because like we've already mentioned that my husband is on the same page with me and there are people going through yeah, this that don't bonus. have their spouse on the same page and that makes that i mean it's difficult enough as it is when you're going through it together but I can't, like, my heart goes out to those who yeah. are, and I was also really blessed. I've, I have a really good friend that's kind of on the same path that we've been, that we we actually met them while we were in the hospital with our, our old, they had a child that was born prematurely as well, so we've, we've known them since our, our oldest was born, mm. and that's been really, really a blessing. So my heart goes out to people who don't have anyone. Yeah, okay. Like, good. I feel really lucky, even though it still sometimes feels yeah, lonely, it's but... Tough. I'm definitely blessed in that regard. I can't even imagine. I I think I might have mentioned. I think I may have mentioned this once before, uh, maybe not. But I did have uh, someone reach out to me who is a who is a current bishop in the LDS Church somewhere, mm -hmm. um, and he confided in me that he was considering. He believed in the Book of Mormon, but he no longer believed in the church, and imagine being a bishop and what he told me was is that it was a hard thing for him to consider what he was going to do because he said it, it would probably mean divorce yeah so he you know he didn't even have the benefit of uh your partner in life uh so that's got to yeah, be tough because you're sure. not only going to be canceled out of an entire society but you you may lose your family and that i can only imagine yeah so well, so um, I know we talked just briefly before we really started recording this, but I wanted to circle back around to it. Um, when we first started talking, you were you were a member of the of the church. Um, that's no longer the case, is yeah, that right? Yeah, and I mean, and do you want to share anything about that? Yeah, and I I mean, when I first reached out, I mean, technically we were still members, but ever since, I mean, during COVID. All the meetings were shut down and then they started doing zoom and we kind of i mean my husband and kids went back a few times after they were doing in person again but i didn't really we'd watch on zoom still for a while and eventually we just you know stopped so we kind of just kind of disappeared <laughs> after covid but like mm -hmm. um like i said what kind of you know going back to the beginning what the, that those questions that were on our shelf about how can the church be not just not speaking out against, you know, what we viewed as, you know, secret combinations that were trying to orchestrate things. I mean, if you think about what it says in Ether, right, he warns us that in our day there will be a secret combination that seeks to overthrow the freedom of all nations and peoples, right? Like he says right out. Yeah. And so when we see, yeah. I mean, it was pretty obvious to us the difference between Satan's plan and Christ's plan, right? On the one hand, you have fear, coercion, deception, 
you know, all those things. On the other hand, you have love, freedom, peace, you know, I mean, it's pretty easy. And so when we, when we saw these groups that we knew were putting money and, you know, orchestrating things with the purpose of taking away agency from people, taking away freedom. And then we saw the church not only not speaking out, um, but giving them money and then participating in, or, you know, in events that were being organized by them. We, oh, I don't know how many conversations we had. We're like, what do we do here? Because most of the people, you know, in our, in our ward, in our mm. stake, we love, they're wonderful people. Yeah. We didn't have a problem there, but we're like, what, what's the moral thing? Like we'd have this conversation over and over again. Is it, is it okay to have our names on yeah. the records of an organization that we know they're supporting these things? And we, I mean, a lot of people in the church have no clue. They don't, they don't know anything about that. They've never looked into it. It's not on their radar, but for us it was. And we knew what we knew and we couldn't unknow it. So it was that moral dilemma. Like what, sure. what's right here? <laughs> what's right in this situation? Do we just keep going? Do we, I mean, we knew God knew our hearts, but at the same time, just our conscience, it just seemed wrong yeah. for us to have our names on an organization where we just felt like we couldn't support the things they were supporting. So, well, and to be a member in good, and to be a member in good standing, also you are supposed to contribute yeah. and tithe. And we, yeah, so. we had stopped paying tithing before that time for that reason because we're like, we can't feel, we can't in good conscience. Be knowing that our money could be yeah. going to some of these things that we can't, we can't, we're, we can't be okay with yeah. that. So we'd already stopped. So, I mean, we couldn't yeah. get a temple recommend. We'd already, you know, had a discussion with our bishop about that we couldn't support the brethren any, you know, we couldn't in good conscience support them. So we'd already lost our temple recommends. And, and, okay. you know, I was, I was asked to teach a primary that, class and I'm like, that... I don't think I can teach a primary class and teach the oh, kids really? to follow the prophet. You know, I like, I couldn't do that anymore. So wow, it got really hard. <clears throat> um, was that before the conversation yeah, before, with the bishop actually. or after? I just, I was like, I can't, I can't do okay. that. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I understand that. Uh, how did that conversation go with the bishop? Was that? No, actually it wasn't like was our it? bishop. He's not our current bishop in our area. He's a, super good man like we just have respect and love and admiration for him i know that is not the case for a lot okay. of people i've heard some very different experiences from people that have had similar conversations ours was yeah. he he was actually very empathetic and he could tell that we were sincere mm -hmm. and that we were trying to do what we felt like was right and he respected that so i mean it was well i got i got to meet with a uh, family lds family from out east um, and they have taken the same journey you have. And what's interesting, they have all the same questions. They no longer support the church in its direction and all that. And they had an honest, frank discussion with their bishop and said, we no longer believe this and that and the other thing. We don't believe in the temple. All this stuff is, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, the bishop asked her to teach a class and said he had no problem with it and thought they were good people and they were following the spirit. Now I'm like, that, well, that's got to be, bishop. <laughs> I don't, this yeah. has got to be a bishop who is, he's got to be, I don't know, he must have his own questions, yeah. I'm guessing. And he's just not necessarily going to admit it. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, very interesting. I guess subversive. <laughs> he knows this. And, and not only is he saying, it's fine with me, I don't care, but to actually suggest that they teach some classes to people and to the other members in the congregation. I'm like, yeah, something going on there. That's anyway. an unusual story. <laughs> so, <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So they haven't left yet because they're just seen as an opportunity to, I guess, share truth on whatever level people can receive. Yeah. And we'll see how long I, I just want to make it clear. We don't, we don't fault people for staying in the church. Cause we totally, yeah. I mean, we've been praying about it and trying to, we didn't have a super clear answer one way or the other, but like I said, it was just that our conscience, it was that pricked conscience. I'm like, well, if I keep feeling this, then I think that's our yeah. sign. And some people I know have mm -hmm. felt prompted to stay. I think maybe if I had a different yeah. personality, I'm not, I, I am an introvert, so I'm not the one that's going to be making comments, you know, at church that might influence other people necessarily. Yeah. I don't know if that's why our answer was different. <laughs> I don't know why, but 
Yeah. Everybody gets. Well, you know, there's another word for the. There's another word for conscience, you know. The spirit, exactly. Holy Spirit. That, that it is that most people think. Well, we because we we always have that knowledge that we yeah. have a conscience. Our conscience is bothering us, and you know, we always had those cartoons yeah. with an angel on one shoulder exactly. and the devil on the other shoulder. You know, but really, is it is a Holy Spirit, and so you got to follow your conscience. And that was something yeah. Joseph Smith said that every person. Uh, should follow the dictates of their own their conscience, conscience yeah, and actually, how they worship with the Lord. And yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. I mean, we, we actually thought of that quote often, you know, when we were struggling, we're like we believe in worshiping according to our conscience and this is not according to our conscience and we need to find a new That's way to right. worship. That's yeah. It really is. It's the Holy spirit leading people. And uh, like you said, there are some people that are uh, asked to stay for a time. And I think it's only mm-hmm. because to give opportunity for others maybe to stand as a witness um you know this bishop i told him i said if the time comes i said it may not be that it that you decide to leave the church it could be that the lord will ask you to stay long enough for them to kick you out yeah um because sometimes that's a witness you know and it all depends Mm -hmm. on what the lord wants to do what he's got planned for you what he has planned for others he knows the situation we don't so we just have to follow that that inner voice of the holy spirit in in leading us where we need to do so yeah i never fault anybody whether they leave stay or whatever it's got to be between you and the lord 100 percent. you know so yeah and like you said the key key there is to learn to Mm -hmm. listen and i think that's one of the things that you know as we've kind of woken up to the church it's made me i think maybe the most sad is that i think you know as a as a church we say we believe in personal revelation and we we talk about the holy ghost and i think on some level everybody in the church has those experiences but i also think that we're you know kind of trained whether it's consciously or unconsciously to learn to override that and to learn to look to somebody else to tell us ultimately what's what's right and what's wrong i mean there's so many things that people in the church have you know they'll tell you well i I never liked polygamy i have i have problems with that or i never liked our stance on blacks and the priesthood it's like the the spirit is speaking to them there's reasons they feel (laughs) that way but then ultimately we override that and say but there must be something I don't understand. And the prophet is the, is the ultimate authority. So if he says that that's right, then there's gotta be a reason. And I I think that's one of the things that's really sad is that people are trained to question. And I realized that I was in that boat. And, and when you wake up and you realize, Oh my goodness, how could I have ever believed that God would sanction polygamy? Like when you really look at it and you think, yeah. Oh my goodness, how could I have ever thought that was okay? Or how could I... Then then it's hard to, because then you question yourself and your ability to be able to recognize. You're like, well, I, I used to think that was true, so what kind of judge am I, you know? And it makes it really hard to... It takes time to and grace to say, okay, I didn't recognize that, <laughs> but I hope I'm learning, and I'm, you know, I hope I'm learning to listen better but it, it takes time to, to have trust in yourself again that you have that ability to hear his voice because I think, I don't know, at least for me, I felt like I had betrayed myself almost, you know, when I was like, how could I have ever thought it's, that was okay? <laughs> it, it's called growth. I mean, it's, it's, (laughs) I mean, that's why we have this probationary life. It's, it's uh, not just to choose who will serve, but also that we have an opportunity to grow close to the Lord and under and come to truth and understanding. And, and man, when you're born into traditions that are wrong, I mean, that's a journey. It might be a lifetime journey. Some people never come out of it. Some people are deluded their whole lives with, with falsehoods. And so, you know, I count myself lucky. I count you as being fortunate. Um, it really is the grace of God that he For worked sure. things. You know, he worked whole events, this whole pandemic. You know, I, I, I asked the Lord, I said, is this you, Lord? You know, and he's like, no, <laughs> I didn't. This. <laughs> um, this isn't the way I work. Um, but I do work through those things. And I'm going to use this for the good of my people. And sure enough, 
It did, because it caused a lot of people to ask certain questions. And, and man, the Lord must have just been waiting for an opportunity to bring us to the point where we'd start asking those questions. Because I'll tell you, he likes to answer questions. He really does. And sometimes when we ask the wrong questions or for the wrong reason or in the wrong timing, we don't get these answers right away. Um, but he does love to answer questions, and particularly the ones that we need to know. I mean, he's there for us, and he's just waiting and eager for our people. And there are so many good people right now that are asking questions. He's there to answer them. It may not be an audible voice, but he speaks to us in those small things. It's that still, small voice. He speaks to us as we look around in nature, as we observe people, as we look at things in the scriptures and all that. He speaks to us. You know, deep down inside, that little voice in us, that conscience. Some people think it's a conscience, but yeah, it's a, it is a beautiful thing. And we've all we've all come a long ways. Every person has to. I mean, we start off as babies and don't even know how to walk or talk or do anything. And mm-hmm. so we can all observe there's all these periods of growth in our life physically, but it's the same way spiritually. But I think it takes a lot longer to mature spiritually than it does to mature physically so yeah, fortunately think, yeah. he gives us a time to figure that out <laughs> and it, it takes but. time to learn how to ask questions like with a truly open heart i think mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a scary place to go i think sometimes people will be like well i prayed about that or you know but you know that they're really uncomfortable with, with this answer. And so they're praying, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, I know that this is going to be the answer and I've done that, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard to, to get to that place where you can really question and say what I want. I want to know the truth and I want to know you. So if I need to sacrifice some of these traditions or whatever, I'm yeah. willing to go there. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, yeah. He just, and going, he's looking going for back people to, that are willing Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, going back to what you said about the the Lord using the pandemic, I definitely feel like he did because, because of the, I mean, the first presidency, you know, came out with a letter. I don't even remember when it was. And that was kind of like a, what's the word? A guidepost. I don't know if that's a good word. A guidepost Mm -hmm. for my husband and I, like, it was so bad we had no question. I mean, it was just, we knew that what it was saying was were lies. Like we knew without a doubt because mm-hmm. of what we had. And so we were actually super, super, super grateful for that because you do, you start down this path and it's the, the hard wiring is so hard. <laughs> like you've heard so many times that people that leave the church, you know, or they're throwing away their salvation and their, their lives are going to be horrible. And, it's so hard that you do, you just want to keep going back and be like, okay, maybe we are just crazy. Let's just go back. But we had that, that we kept going to you. We're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Remember what that said. We're going the right way. We need to keep going this way. And so it was so bad, but it was actually a huge blessing for us because it helped us continue to go and not talk ourselves. I mean, it's like you gaslight yourself, like, oh, we must just be crazy. <laughs> Gaslight yourself. I'm I'm sure. I'm sure we're doing the wrong thing. We should just. We should just pretend like we didn't think that and go back to back there where things were happy and easy. You know. Yeah, a simpler time. A simpler time where you didn't have these questions and uh, ignorance is bliss, like they say, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, so you know, we got examples of that in the scripture. I mean, the Israelites—they were all longing for Egypt. I mean, they thought it was bad, but then they were longing for it because. And I, I find that in our own churches here. We have people that um, came out of the RLDS church. They're in the wilderness. The Lord is trying to lead them to the promised land. And yet they're pining for the old days of the RLDS <laughs> church. They want to go back, you know, in some way, shape or form. And I'm like, there's a reason why he led you out. It, it's not because we just need to go back to a better version of the RLDS church. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's you look at Jesus, the words of Jesus. And, you know, this may be a shock to some people, but you read all of the words of Jesus in the New Testament, and then you go get your Book of Mormon, just in case maybe something was taken out of the Bible. And you go read 3rd Nephi, you know, and Jesus never tells us to come unto Joseph Smith. Yeah. He didn't tell us to come to Brigham Young. He doesn't tell us to come to uh, the the current president. (laughs) 
Yes. He doesn't tell us to come to an institutional church. He doesn't tell us to follow any particular man um, at all. It, it's always come to me, and I will give you salvation. I will give you rest, and I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it just amazes me that uh, Satan got us to buy into this whole notion that we had to go through other people and a church and an institution had to be the right institution all this kind of stuff and then where's Christ in all this and do we even know who he is at this point Yeah, you know there's been a charge leveled at Mormons that I've never liked never cared for it but something the Lord spoke to me one time got me thinking about it and not only did I realize there's truth in it uh, but it's not just true of the LDS, it's true of the RLDS or any other ite or isms of, <laughs> of Mormonism. And the, the, the level that is, the charge that's been leveled is that they have a different Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, do they have salvation? Because they have a different Jesus. It's not the real Jesus, it's some other Jesus. What do you think of that idea? And do you think there's some truth in that to some degree? Oh, that the yeah, Jesus I, we I were do. taught isn't I do really think there's <laughs> there's truth in that. Okay, I mean it's and as you're talking about the you know the Israelites, I like I have so much more compassion reading the scriptures. I used to, you know, be like, gosh, these these yeah. Israelites, they're so dumb. Like they want to go back these to Egypt dummies. and they they keep worshiping those idols. Like seriously, <laughs> yeah. you know, not realizing the whole time I'm I would doing never the exact do that. Same thing. My idols just look a little different, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. but anyway. Yeah, I definitely think there's truth in that. And um, that was actually a huge part, I think, of our journey. Um, so as COVID happened and we had questions about what, what, what in the world's going on in the church, at the same time, we were introduced to the idea that Joseph Smith never practiced polygamy, which was mind-blowing yeah. and wonderful for us. And then <laughs> yeah. at the same yeah. time, the Lord just brought um books into my life <laughs> like i was a, a, just i think it was a just a comment on some facebook post somebody had said oh here's some really good books that i like about you know about coming to christ or whatever and so i happened to notice that comment and i got them and then those books led me to other books which led me to other books and the lord was just trying to teach me i think so powerfully you know the truth of what Nephi teaches right at the beginning of the Book of Mormon, right? That there are only two churches. There's the Church of Christ and there's the Church of the Devil. And I mean, I think it's similar yeah. growing up in the RLDS. We have this, you know, this pride that we're the only true church and we know so much more. All those other poor Christians, they, they think they know how things are, but we're the ones that really know. And I mean, recently there was even a leader of our church that actually came out and said, everybody else plays church. We're the only ones that really do church, right? Oh, and like, yeah. but that's, that's, what, that's what we're taught, you know? <laughs> and so I, I started reading these books. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I have no idea what it means to be a Christian. And again, growing up, we're, you know, like, people would say, oh, well, the Mormons aren't Christian. We're like, oh, yes, we are. We're Christians. In fact, we're the real Christians and you're not, <laughs> right? That's, that's yeah, kind of what, exactly. we, what we thought. <laughs> but when I was reading these stories and I'm, stories about people all over the world, the one called The Heavenly Man about a man in China. I read one called The Cross and the Switchblade about a guy that went to, you know, uh-huh. inner city New York with gang yep. kids and, um, one called Bruchko about a teenager that goes to South America to, to teach India, you know, some of those remote Indian tribes about Jesus. And I was just amazed by their stories, the level of not, not just sacrifice, although sacrifice was a part of it, but just the, the love they had for Jesus Christ and their relationship with him and their understanding. Like I was blown away by their understanding and they, all they had was the Bible, right? And I'm like, oh my goodness, they just have the Bible. They don't even have the benefit of the Book of Mormon, and yet they know so much more about who Jesus is than I do. And like I said, there was just book after book that the Lord kind of brought to me because I'm a reader, so I, I enjoy that anyway. But I think that really helped me recognize that I didn't really know yeah. who Jesus was. And then I think I think Trisha is actually the one who introduced me to your podcast because I think she had posted one of your episodes 
on her Facebook page. And so when I found your channel and I started going through, you know, episode by episode, got to the one where you talked about who is Jesus. By that time, the Lord had been teaching me. And I think I even wrote to you. I was like, I just kept saying, yes, yes. Like, yes. I was listening to it because like the Lord had been like teaching, but hearing somebody like speak it back to me, it was just like such a joyful yes. experience to me. Like, oh my goodness. Yes. Like the truth just felt so joyful. And, yep. and I realized, and I, I mean, sadly I do. I mean, that's one of the things that definitely made it on our list about I mean, I've always believed in Christ, but mm -hmm. my beliefs about him have certainly changed over, yeah. <laughs> over this journey. Yeah. And that concludes part one of my interview with Leslie Parker. So um, join us next week for part two. And until then, God bless. <laughs>